Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So today I wanted to talk about an interesting topic to me, which is the psychological advice that other people give you. Now, this is not the psychological advice of other psychologists, nor is it the psychological or psychiatric advice of psychiatrists. This is the advice you get from the people you know who have absolutely no training in any type of therapy or mental health intervention. Now, some of my colleagues were raised by other psychologists and maybe even the generation before that was a psychologist and it's in their family and this is what their family does and so they're doing it too. However, most of us did not come from families where mental health and psychological issues were discussed at the dinner table. In fact, many of us came from backgrounds where most of the people in our families were pretty damn clueless about anything related to the world of mental health. And now I can't remember exactly how it went down, but I know that when I announced that I would like to be a psychologist, it was mostly just sort of met with confusion more than anything else. Um, it wasn't a proud moment. I don't think it's like the same thing when you announce you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. It's more like, why the hell? What, what do you want to do? Why would you do that? Why would you want to spend your time with crazy people? I've been doing this for a very long time, so no one's confused at this point. But I still do get family members who ask me that question. Why do you want to deal with people's problems all day? Don't you have enough problems of your own? Why do you want to hear about other people's problems? Another version of that I heard recently, which is more along the lines of, if you spend time with people who are coming from dark places, you begin to come from a dark place and you have dark energy around you and it will somehow bleed into you and take over your life so you should probably stay away from that. Another one is if you work with crazy people you're going to go crazy yourself. So everybody's got opinions about what it's like to be a psychologist and from many people I've heard that it's a terrible idea to do such a thing with your life. Now what I find funny about all of this is that people who work in other fields believe that somehow they have escaped mentally ill people. Which is actually the funny part is because just because I know what's sitting in front of me doesn't mean I see it any more often than anyone else out there. If you're an attorney, you work with crazy people. If you're a chef, you work with crazy people. If you're an auto mechanic, you work with crazy people. And for all of these people, they are coming to you with problems. They're coming to you with 
disputes they're having. They're coming to you with being hungry, which is a problem. They're coming to you with car problems. You have crazy people, whatever your occupation is in which you interact with other human beings, coming to you with problems all day long. You have not escaped. The other thing is not everybody who comes to therapy is crazy. There are a lot of decent, normal people who are just trying to work through everyday life problems. And so I don't only see crazy people. I do see some crazy people. And I do see a lot of people who are just working through everyday life problems. But what I find the most funny is what my clients tell me they get for advice from their loved ones when it comes to mental health. And sometimes I will even get people who come to therapy because somebody in their family or one of their friends advised them that they have to go to therapy because something has to happen. For example, you have to get closure. The whole concept of closure is a layman's term. We do not study closure in psychology. It is not a phenomenon that exists that has been widely researched. Closure is something that Seventeen Magazine or somebody else came up with in the 70s, and it doesn't really exist as a phenomenon in the world of therapy. People will come to therapy and say, I am here because I have to get closure about my last romantic relationship. And I will ask a bunch of questions about why that is. And usually it's for one of two reasons. One, they don't actually need closure. They're actually still hung up on their former romantic partner and they just want to talk about it more and more and more and sometimes even harangue the therapist getting them to contact their former partner in order to quote get closure. The other type of closure is when a relationship has broken up and the person who has been broken up with does not have a single clue why. They have some sense of it, but they really never had the breakup conversation in a way that made them recognize that things weren't going to work out and they weren't going to be able to get back together. For the first type of, quote, getting closure, um, people will often say something like, oh, I just want them to be happy. It's just important that they're happy and I need to know that we have said all that we need to say in order to get closure. And so even though my partner is with someone else now, I would really like to talk to them about what happened between the two of us. And basically, that's sort of a setup for failure one way or another. Either the person gets rejected and told their former partner is no longer interested in them, or somehow 
the relationship gets started up again and it's problematic. The second type of closure when it comes up is the person who's coming to see me for therapy really didn't quite get a straight answer about why a breakup occurred. And they will go to therapy and try to come up with answers or they will try to sort of do an autopsy of the relationship and they'll try to come up with some ideas about what it was really about. But usually it's one of those situations in which the person just sort of cut off communication and wasn't super clear about why. And this is very common nowadays. And I think super rude, but that's another story. Um, but also there are a lot of people who will break up with you and purposefully leave things kind of gray and unclear because then in the future they can come back and say, well, I was never really done with you and we never really had the final conversation and we never really got our closure. So I think we should start this thing back up again. And so either way, the concept of closure doesn't usually work out well for anybody involved. And if you're coming to therapy with me, I will tell you that's not a thing. Closure is not a thing that we work on. Now, I've talked before about how good everybody is at sucking it up. And a lot of times when a person comes to therapy, they have been sucking it up for quite a long time. And they're starting to realize that their methods for sucking it up with their feelings aren't really working out too well for them. And that shows up in a variety of ways. Either they end up with medical conditions or they end up extremely anxious or their emotions end up coming out sideways, like they start crying at a moment's notice and they don't even know why they started to. Basically what happens is your emotions start leaking because you've pushed them down so far. Now, what happens when people come to therapy is somehow someone has told them that if you indulge, if you give in to your emotions and you start to let them out, there is a good chance that you could start crying and never stop. And so I will get people in therapy who will come and they'll maybe leave out big pieces of their history because they don't want to get upset about it or they'll be kind of tight-lipped or sometimes they'll be telling me a story but they'll leave out certain details because they're afraid of getting upset. And if you can't get upset in the therapy room, where can you get upset? But it's based on this idea that if I start to cry, I won't be able to stop. And somebody in their life has told them that this is a real thing, that people can become consumed by tears and never stop crying. 
And my question is, who are these people who never stop crying? Where are they? Are they locked up in an insane asylum? Where are these people who don't stop crying? Now, if I ask someone, do you know someone who has started crying and never stopped and hasn't been able to function because they haven't stopped crying? Most people will say no. So I don't know who told them that this is a condition, that crying nonstop forever is some sort of condition that people suffer from. If that's the case, I would guess it's a medical condition that I don't know about something in the brain. But um, this also is not a real thing. If you come into my office, you will see that I have tissue boxes staged everywhere because anywhere that a person sits is a potential area where they could begin to cry because we talk about very difficult life situations. And so I am absolutely prepared for anyone to cry at any given moment. And yet there are so many people who come in and they are afraid to cry in front of me, afraid that I am going to judge them for this. And they really don't understand what I do for a living because I pretty much expect everybody to cry at some point and I am prepared with tissue boxes for this to happen. And yet there's that fear. Somebody told them that being upset in front of your therapist is not the way to go that you should come in and act like you've got all your ducks in a row and your life together and just report the good things, which makes absolutely no sense at all to me. Very similar to the, if I begin to cry, I won't stop thing, is the, if I begin to get emotional, I will break down and become psychotic and have to be put away in an insane asylum. Now somebody told them this somewhere along the way. The idea that if you somehow feel your emotions, your emotions will overwhelm you in a way that you will lose your grasp on reality and have some kind of psychotic breakdown. And so most people, I would have to say, who come to therapy, think that what is going on inside their head is different from everybody else and so insane. And if me as the psychologist, if I were to know what goes on in their head, I would be flabbergasted by how insane it really is. And that is just not the case. That when people begin to open up and they begin to get honest in therapy, they, I often tell them that what they're experiencing is very similar to everybody else I see. And they are not going to go insane just because of some of the emotions and the thoughts that they are having on the inside. That's just not going to happen. And yet 
people continue to believe, because somebody told them, that somehow emotions can be so overwhelming that you will go insane and you will be locked up for the rest of your life. Crazy to me in all of this is that people are so genuinely afraid of what's going on inside of them that they have a real genuine fear of their emotions and somehow this has been reinforced by others around them that somehow the idea of feeling sad or feeling anxious or any of that stuff is going to cause utter chaos in their lives and that's just not the case i have always said that people with bachelor's degrees in psychology are sort of the worst at giving advice about mental health because when you're in a bachelor's program you know enough to know what the different types of pathology are however if you haven't been to graduate school yet you haven't learned the consequences of that knowledge and how you can impact other people by talking to them about pathology or what you think is wrong with them. And so I will get this a lot and I've seen this happen before where I've worked in an agency in which some of the people working there were bachelor's level psychology people and their job was not to do therapy or counseling of any kind because the reality is, is that you can't get too much of a real job in psychology if you don't at least have a master's degree and what would happen is you'd have these people who were otherwise administrators or something else they had some other role there and they would go around telling the clients that they thought that person was bipolar i think you're bipolar or i think you suffer from anxiety or i think you might have schizophrenia right with n none of the clinical experience, none of the work experience to really back up making a statement like that, nor any of the experience of what it means to be responsible for another human being. But to the untrained ear, if you went to school and you have a degree in accounting and somebody else with a bachelor's degree tells you that you have some mental illness, you might be more likely to listen to them because it's outside of your area of expertise. But I think that this is a real problem. And I've always said that, that people with bachelor's degrees in psychology are kind of dangerous. In my first episode, I had talked about um, a fellow undergrad student in psychology who loved to pathologize everybody around him. And mind you, we were still in undergrad. We had not graduated yet. And he loved to analyze everything that everybody said and make them feel insecure about themselves. And I feel like there are a lot of people who do this and you have to be careful because even if they aren't toting a bachelor's degree in psychology they might be 
very sure about something they read on the internet or very sure about so-and-so's brother had a cousin who ended up this way and you have to be careful or this will happen to you too. I will also get people in therapy because somebody in their family told them that there's something wrong with them and they need to go see a therapist because they can't stand their behavior anymore. And that person comes to therapy in order to please somebody else, but not for themselves and not understanding even necessarily why they're there. They just know that they've somehow irritated or upset their loved one and that person has recommended that they go to therapy. What's funny about that is it's not always the person who's sent to therapy that really has the issue that a lot of times what happens, and I'll, I'll talk more about this later, is that a lot of times loved ones get sent to therapy because they are upsetting certain family members because they are interacting with them in a different way, such as setting boundaries and being assertive and standing up for themselves. And so this will cause inevitably friction in the relationship because a lot of times people don't like that. There's pushback. They want the person to go back to how they were before. And so they will send their loved one to therapy and say, you've been arguing with me lately. You need to fix that. That's a problem inside of you. And the person wanting to do the right thing will come into therapy trying to fix that. And what we end up discovering is it's not a problem within you, but a problem with the idea that you have become more assertive, you started sticking up for yourself, you started setting boundaries, and the other person really didn't like that. And so here you are, and what should we do? Now the task at that point becomes for me to help them stand strong in their boundaries and their assertiveness and advocating for themselves that um, they end up going to therapy learning about keeping themselves in that strong position and standing up for themselves and doing so knowing that there's going to be a lot of blowback from their loved one. Their loved one's going to be pissed about it. Their loved one may not want them in their lives as much anymore if they're not willing to comply with the wishes, etc., etc. And so I think what's really important is that therapy isn't just for crazy people and you won't go insane and you won't you won't not stop crying. That is not a condition you will not end up in an insane asylum and you don't need to come for closure, but you might need to come 
in order to set things straight and stop being so afraid of what's going on inside of you. Because the truth is that the answers are inside of all of us. I am not here giving out answers to people. The answers are inside all of us and we just have to sort of move all the junk out of the way that's piled on top of it. And a lot of times that junk consists of bad psychiatric advice from other people and society at large and the belief that something horrible can happen if you don't follow this advice that's just terrible. In case you're wondering and you're debating about whether or not you should go to therapy, one, we're not going to help you get closure. Two, you're not going to not stop crying for the rest of your life. And three, you will not go into an insane asylum because you indulge your thoughts or your feelings. You will be okay. You will feel better as long as you have the right person working with you for the right goals and just stop listening to all this cheap psychiatric advice. We will find the answers within you and you will feel so much better for it. 